This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to How Gen Y Buy. Each week, we speak to everyday Australians to discover the unique ways in which they are entering the property market. Learn how Gen Y are beating the odds and getting their foot on the property ladder with your host, Nathan Smith, the Managing Director and Mortgage Broker at Birdie Wealth. Welcome back to another episode of How Gen Y Buy. I'm Nathan Smith from Birdie Wealth, and I'm here with our youngest guest we've ever had in the studio. We've got uh, Katie and Scotty here, and they've brought our, their little baby along today. So uh, if you hear any background noise, that's, uh, that's her interrupting us, but I'm sure we can get through it. Um, <laughs> welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey. So we're, we're actually out of the studio today. We've popped over to their place um, because they've obviously got their young baby. So out and about and hearing their story on how they got into the market and why they decided to do it. So when did you buy your first property? Uh, I think it was around February 2013, was it? 13 or 14. So four years ago? I think it was three years ago. Maybe it was 2014. Yeah, so first yeah, property <laughs> three years ago. And what led you to that decision? Originally, it was really just about an investment, so sort of wealth creation and building for the future. And if you look at, I guess, Sydney property prices over the past however many years, generally the trend is upwards. Yes. So that was, I said, the original sort of plan. Also, there's always the concept of you need somewhere to live. So it was nice to have something as a a fallback option if we needed somewhere to. Yeah, just getting our foot in the door to buy it before we needed to actually have it. Yeah, so you were you weren't necessarily needing a place to live in at that stage, but you thought you'll you, you're ready to go. You'll get a property now while you can, yep. and have that property as an investment property. Now, did you live in it initially or partly? No, um, we ended up not deciding to. Um, we were just tossing up between um, whether we lived in it or not. And um, for us, we decided to just rent it out from the word go. Uh, rather than do the muck around because we'd only be staying in it for six months and we just didn't want to uproot everything twice in a short period of time. So we just made the decision to rent it from the word go. We've never lived in it. So you rented that property and then you yourselves went and rented a different property down near the beach? Yeah. So yep. you rented other property while you rented out your investment property. Okay. So you've decided you wanted to buy the property for wealth creation. Where did you initially go to start to get your research and information? Um, so we went to speak to you first um, to get an idea of what we could afford and what we wanted to afford and what options there were for us so that I could understand what type of loan we wanted and things like that. Um, Scott working with finance people was a lot more savvy, but I didn't get much of it. So um, went to you first to sort of figure out where to go and before we looked at the market of what we actually wanted to afford. Yeah. So that was to point us in the direction of that price range, I suppose. And yeah. it's, it's interesting when you, you go into something thinking you know of the type of loan you want or the type of property you want, but then when you start speaking with people that have got a bit more background in it or professional in it about it as well, it uh, gives you a lot more advice and changes about what you end what's up doing as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So I quite often get asked what's the best loan or which one's best at the moment, but there's no real right answer for that because unless you sit down with somebody and have a proper conversation about what they've done previously with their money, how they've managed it, what they're doing currently and what they're looking to do in the future, all those factors come into play when picking which lender is best for you and, and how you actually do your individual style banking. So yeah. 
um, yeah, certainly you need to sit down and uh, and actually chat with somebody in a bit more detail about what you're looking to do and how you're looking to do it. So when you're looking for property for wealth creation purposes, what were some of the key criteria that you had when looking for a place to buy? Well, I think it was interesting as well because we originally started looking, but the area and the the, the price range we had was similar to everybody else. So... So that was coming in at that same well. price as all the other it's, first home buyers, really. Yeah. yeah, same price point as well. So I think we quickly found out you get what oh. you pay for. So when we looked at places that were cheaper, there was a reason why they were cheaper as well. So it's important as well to. I think we our didn't. First criteria was location, though. That was the main thing. It had to be near public transport. We looked at other suburbs or other states, but because it was our first property, we wanted something locally near us in the Shire for just peace of mind Yeah, um, because it just felt safe for us for our first time. Um, so that was the biggest thing. It had to be near public transport in the Shire somewhere, um, and we were after two, two bedroom, two bath was the minimum requirement sort of thing, and then it had to fit within our little price range. Bubble. Yeah. Yeah. So how long was the search for the property? I think it was at least six months, I suppose, because we missed out on a couple. You got close on a few, didn't you? We did. Right down to the end. But at the same time as well, people were, because we were in that that price point range, I think people were pretty keen. You'd have a couple of bidders automatically. Yes. Um, So you'd have three or four people that were happy to do it, and I think we missed out on a couple because open house... And on the same day of the open house, people were offering bids and, and signing contracts. Yeah, and we were still a bit timid at, at the start of the process with auctions and with putting a bid on the day I'd seen it. And the market just had so many properties out that we were splitting up to to hunt all day long. And it was, it was our entire Saturday. And then we'd meet up at the end of the day to um, yeah, run points and everything. go through both of them and have our no pile and our maybe pile and the ones we wanted to see again. And so it was just a really time-consuming process. And we weren't quite up to speed with how quick they wanted to sell them. So by the time we were ready to have another look, they already had offers and we were like, oh, but I don't know if we want to put an offer in yet. Like it was, and it, takes it took you a us a while to get into the hang of, of that, I, I think suppose. It takes you a couple of weeks work. of figuring out the, what the market's doing and then you meet some of the real estate agents and they start getting to know you a little bit better and you start getting a bit more savvy about you know, how to – negotiate or offer or what things to look for and different things like that as well. And what things, what prices things were selling for that we wanted so we got an idea of what our money could yeah. actually buy. So understanding what a fair price for the property was. You know, at that particular time, the market was quite strong in the area that you were looking and so it was it was quite competitive. Things were going quickly and it, I guess, yeah, exactly what you said. It, t- it takes a while to get a good understanding of what the process is and how aggressive you have to be to actually do it yeah. until you've gone to a few and have, got, have that confidence to to bid with some courage and go straight in on that first day. Uh, yeah, it takes a while to, to understand that. So you've uh, put an offer in on the property. Offer's been accepted. Now, you actually had a pre-approval arranged. We'd arranged a pre-approval for you and you had that sitting there. However, we hit a hurdle, we'll call it a big hurdle. It was a big hurdle. Um, we had the um, the insurance company um, looked at our property through God Google Maps from Perth or something and decided it was on a six-lane highway and too close to a petrol station and, well, they weren't going to insure us. So at the 11th hour, we had to um, make that to quickly find us a new um, financier so that we could 
get it all together. Yes. So that was quite stressful at the time. So it was right down <laughs> to uh, we, we were almost ready for formal approval. The bank had actually signed off and said they were comfortable with it. We'd sent the loan to the mortgage insurer for them to sign off. And at the very last, last minute, the lender's mortgage insurer had looked at the property and said it's within 100 metres of a petrol station. We're not comfortable with it and decided that they didn't want to accept that security. So it was a last-minute rush. Now, it was three years ago, but you still remember how you felt at that time? Oh, yeah. I was pretty so confused and cranky and stressed out and I think as well because the (laughs) negotiation process with the real estate agent took a long time as well. Yeah, it was a long time. So that was a lot of back and forth. And then it was nice to have it finally sorted and then at the very end – you hit a few snags and it's uh, interesting. And I, I think I was a bit more calm than Katie was, but then you know, I had to live with her. So you get home and- <laughs> well, it's your first, first property, right? And it is uh, it is stressful when those things happen. I remember thinking how were you so cool, calm, collected, Nathan. You were just so like casual and you're like, yeah, okay, we're going to find a new one and do this. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like what's going to happen? I'm so scared. <laughs> I guess the, what you have to understand is there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's happened. We're, you can't change the decision. Uh, you At that particular point, you can't fight that decision. It is what it is. So we have to accept the decision and then find a solution. We have to move on. We have to do it. And while you do have your heart set on property sometimes, there are instances where perhaps it wasn't meant to be. There are times when We've looked at other lenders and other lenders wouldn't find it's a particular property and sometimes you just have to accept, well, perhaps this isn't the one. Perhaps we shouldn't be buying this property and we'll just move on and look at the next one. Um, and particularly, as I said, buying an investment property, sometimes about just taking that emotion back out of the property. And Yeah, because I definitely got, away from got it. a little bit emotional. Did you? The end. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that was, yeah, that was a, a back and forth between us because I looked at it purely as a return yes. on investment. Um, concept of a business decision more, but I think Katie looked at it much more of a personal decision. And I think the two is okay. Both of them can work well, I think, a little bit because you want to think about it as would you be comfortable living in that property because you don't want to buy an investment property that you wouldn't be comfortable living in. Well, who else is going to live in it? That's right. What sort of tenant so, would you attract if you have yeah, a, exactly. a property that you're not comfortable living in or a neighborhood that you're not comfortable living in? So. We yeah, got the there in the end. Up. That's right. We're in the end. <laughs> got there in the end. We made it to settlement. You got the keys for the property and uh, your tenant went straight in. So did you have any concerns when you bought the property about having being able to actually fund it or were you comfortable with the, the repayments and the difference you'd have to make? I think at that stage it was, it was fine because we'd picked a level that was pretty within our budget. We'd gone through the numbers with you so many times. Um, on our max we could afford that we knew quite comfortably where we could sit. We'd Before we bought the property, we'd budgeted, we'd worked out what we could afford in our lives. We, um, I, went a bit, I went a bit pedantic um, and I spent about a month writing down everything we'd purchased um, for a month every day, even if it was just, you know, a coffee on the way to work or something, to figure out what our outgoings were just to give me an idea of a max and, and a minimum of what we could spend. And then when we crunched those numbers with you and we went under in the end, we spent a little bit less on the property. So we felt pretty pretty comfortable with affording it um, because because it met all our criteria of like location and all that stuff, we were able to rent it out quickly enough. Like if it had been left unrented for a while, that would Can definitely that'd be, that'd be really tough, which That's was right. part of yeah. you know what we thought about when – 
we thought about the location of where we wanted to buy it because we thought about getting it rented quickly. So because we got tenants in it quite quickly, we were... You're only covering the difference. Yeah. So, yeah. When, you, when you go through, when we did the budget and checking out how much we spend each week or each day, it's interesting the amount of money that you don't realise you spend on just little things. Absolutely. And it's yeah. so easy for you to cut back on, like you were saying, the basic maybe lunch or a drink or a coffee or just yeah, we didn't yeah, have to unnecessarily make sacrifices yeah. or things like that. We um, just had to be a bit smarter um, with where we spent. Being conscious really. where your money goes, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't know where your money goes until you start to track it sometimes. And yeah. Just being conscious of your spending is really what it is, not necessarily yeah, not being necessarily. overly strict exactly. and overly tight and staying in every night, but it is just being conscious of, of when you yeah. – particularly nowadays when you've got your – Tap and go. You just tap your card and off you go, oh, and, and it continues to tick down. And, yeah. and off it goes. So yeah. and a little, a little bit goes a long way with the budgeting. Even cutting back on five or ten percent of your expenses doesn't affect, I suppose, your life. Yes, but that's a huge amount of savings as well. And it's everything's a trade off. Like you know, if we knew we've got dinners or birthdays with our friends coming off, then you know I cooked a few lunches that week, or you know we didn't go to one dinner that night because we had a big one we really wanted to go to the next week. So. Yeah. It's just trade-off. You still get to enjoy all the things you want to. So you've now purchased that property three years ago. You've got that. It stayed rented out. You've just settled a few months ago on your second property, which is your principal place of residence, something to live in. How was that property search different to the first one? Yeah, it was different. Well, it was we looked at it as purely to we were going to live in this place and we were going to, I guess, start a family with it as well. So it needed to have... It still needed to fit the criteria. I work in the city, so we had to be close to the train station, close to transport. And, but we were um, pickier. Yeah, we were much and pickier. And we had time we to be pickier. Yeah, so and it took us – I mean, we, we stopped and started a couple of times, but we, we came back to the same old problem of we were looking at, I suppose, three-bedroom places, uh, probably townhouses or villas with a little bit of a backyard. We but changed we, our search criteria in the end. Yeah. Yes, you changed a few times because you were you were looking potentially to go to something bigger, then you went to something smaller and bigger. The, the conversation went back and forth a few mm-hmm. times. Now, I like to uh, have a joke with Scott about how organised and over the top his planning is. He's just that kind of person. <laughs> but to be man? to be honest, I'm exactly the same. So, I, I maybe it's a bit of me in him as well that I see. How did you? Why did you decide then that this was the top style of property that would suit you going forward? Well, I think it was a an affordability thing. And I suppose in uh, the second point as well, we looked at perhaps leaving our Sutherland Shire and finding a place elsewhere. But if we were going to have a family, we wanted to be closer to our family. So I think it was a little bit of a trade-off of a, a smaller place that was going to be close by. So my uh, our, our in-laws and our um, brothers and sisters live about 10 minutes away so we've got the little Isabel now so it sort of works well so that was sort of the 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 final reason and I think we would have liked to have a backyard straight away but we didn't necessarily have to have one at this right at this point so it was was comparison as well so we were looking at three bedroom townhouses um, because affordability wise we couldn't have the big house unless we sold our other apartment and we thought we'd like to do what we can to hold on to that so that we've still got that um, net underneath us while we start um, having kids. And in looking at the market again, we're in the same bubble that everyone was sort of looking at the same price that we were. Um, So we were comparing three-bedroom apartments and three-bedroom townhouses. And in the end, with 
the price range we were looking at, we found some of the three-bedroom apartments were a lot bigger and better nick than the townhouses we were looking at. And so we thought about, but I really want a backyard because I've been nagging Scott for years for a pet. Yeah, I just cat. want my own backyard. I want a cat and a dog, a little patch of green. But we sort of sat down and thought, if we get our apartment now, then we can keep the first unit we bought. And if we stick it out for four or five years, build some more equity, then sell to buy a house, we'll get to, you know, it might not be, it's not going to be our instant dream home, but we'll actually get to get a decent house with a backyard for kids to run around with. You know, while they're little, she doesn't need much space. I mean, being in an apartment with with one or two little kids is perfectly fine. My parents did it with me before we bought a house. so It's becoming far more common. Mm. I remember when I was at school, there wasn't too many kids who were in apartments as I was growing up. Everyone seemed to live in a house. It was my perception anyway. Uh, but my wife being a teacher, she says that half the kids now live in apartments. It's just the way it is. It's, it's part of life. It's the way we've changed our changed our lifestyle. So we're sacrificing a bit of space for convenience and being close to amenities. So the place you've got here has plenty of room as a unit, but you've then also got that location to shops and parks and train stations and you can use the public facilities as well. It's also Katie. less maintenance as well. Oh, tell me for about a it. house. Yeah. I don't want to talk about don't, don't want to talk about mowing. <laughs> I was gonna say we don't have the lawn to mow. It's interesting because <laughs> Katie was I think a little bit against her coming into an apartment to originally I had to I, I sneakily looked at this place without her. And I got my dad to look Indeed, at it as well. It and, and I sort of went, uh, I sort of went along the way of, um, of negotiating with a real estate agent, and 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 before I told Katie about anything, because and she was a little bit upset with me. But then after she saw it and came back, and she got a little bit I emotionally did, attached again, and did you? And we had to make it happen. I could appreciate where he's coming from. I'm I'm a person who my head rules my heart most of the time, anyway. So even though in my heart I wanted my house and I wanted my pets. Um, in my head, I was like, if if we just be a bit more smarter about it, you know, we we it's still a really nice area, a really nice place. Then we still can get that house. It's still an achievable dream, and, and then I can to... get you know one that I'm happier with rather than settling just to have a house. And the fact that you're expecting a baby, and there was some potential changes in income coming up, did you take that into account when you were redoing budgets and yeah, property I mean, price? We had a fairly we large had a window savings, to, to so either purchase good. him before she arrived, or wait a couple of years because then I'd be off mat leave, my income wouldn't count, things like that. And then, of course, you start thinking about when we'd want baby number two. So it was either we jump now or we wait a few years. And then we thought if we jump now, then in those few years, at least we're getting capital gains um, in our property. So we thought let's just and, dive yeah. in now, and then we can adjust once. She writes. And the negotiation, I think, for this one was much different to our first property as well. We were, I think, the only bidders. Were you? So, yeah. So And, and then there was just a discrepancy between what they wanted and what we were willing to pay. So it was sort of three or four weeks of just complete stalemate. Back and forth. I just said, we this is my price. The and they it was said, Christmas time. Price. It was So we ended up signing a contract price. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Wow. Christmas Eve. In the, the afternoon. conveyancer got us done in the morning. She was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And buying the second time around, actually going and looking at properties, did you feel a lot more confident in the process? Was there uh, still some gaps and flashbacks as to what do I do next, what happens now? I thought we hit the ground running a bit faster. Um, we had to, we had less to see as well because we were looking at three-bedroom places. We were more specific. We were more specific time. about what we wanted and like we were saying because we had more time and no 
um, deadline. We had a lot more confidence in our price of what we knew things were worth and what we knew we wanted to pay. We were a lot more confident with that and what we were looking at. Um, and probably better at negotiating. I was, we were better at this was our limit, um, what we were prepared to spend to then look at the next one. And because we already, um, through talking to you so much, knew all our different options with how we wanted money and stuff to be set up, it was a lot less stressful. There was a lot less to think about. We could focus on just picking what we wanted, really. So you've probably yeah you're you're a lot more confident going into knowing that you've done this before you can do it and uh, having a second property I guess if worse comes to worse you've always got the option to sell and and pay down. And, it is a and- huge safety net to to feel like you have especially once you've had a baby and I'm not working and it's just it's a really nice net to have there just Absolutely. in the back of your head. And it feeds well into. Another five-year plan for us as well. That's right. The next five-year plan. <laughs> the next five-year. But it's so, it is so vital to look ahead and say what is coming up, what is changing. Is there any changes in income and in family dynamic? You have to plan for those things because that's when people get unstuck is uh, there are times when things come up that you aren't prepared for. There could be an illness or an injury or a, or a redundancy with work, but the more you can plan for the things that are coming like – uh, children and changes to occupations, the easier that journey comes. Because the last thing you want to be doing is selling a property when you don't want to be selling a property yeah. and letting the market then determine what you should buy. So if you can choose when you sell it and sell it at your particular time, you're going to get a better result and, and be able to plan it better. So what's next for you guys? What's in that five-year plan? <laughs> well, I think the Pets. next thing is um, <laughs> I'd like to be I'd like to be when she's school age where I want to live, I suppose, because I wouldn't like to. I, I know when I was young and people moved schools and primary schools, it was not the best as well. So before she goes to primary school, we'll find a house to buy somewhere, and yeah, we'll just make it happen. So I think we've got hopefully we'll have a four years or so. Yeah, so I've got <laughs> yeah, I've got the the deadline and timeline yeah. happening. So good. Yeah, and we'll also, yeah, we'll just um. And you've go got your there. goals up. Yeah, goals in the fridge. Yeah, so we've got our goals in our fridge with another one we picked up from you a few years ago. Absolutely, yep. So reading your goals every day and, and keeping focused on it. So really good, guys. Thanks for speaking with me today, Isabel. Youngest guest. How old is she now? She's now three months. Three months. So that uh, easily breaks our record for the youngest uh, demographic. So um, I don't know if there's any three-month-olds listening out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, fantastic. Thanks very much for coming in, guys, and, and having a chat today. Now, the, the main things I've picked up from you guys is a lot of us to do with that forward planning getting advice and getting advice from the right people so that way when you're making those decisions, you're doing it with confidence and you're doing it with the best intentions. Uh, A lot of your decision-making has been about trying to separate some of that emotion out of it and using a bit of logic and saying, well, we want that dream, we want that property, but what is best for our situation financially? So they're the kind of big takeaways I've got from you guys. For other first-home buyers out there, what's that one piece of advice you've got for them? Well, biggest thing for me will be, I suppose, use experts as well. So, I mean, if you've got an accountant, go and speak to them about you know, tax deductibility or something in that respect. Real estate agents, go and pick their brains as well. Uh, mortgage brokers, even if you want to go to your bank, those guys are experts in their field as well. And I think particularly the first time, obviously the second time, we knew a little bit more. But the first time, there's so many things you just never thought about or never 
um, would have known about until you go and speak to people and you explain your situation. And that you they don't know can... what you don't know. You don't exactly. even know what you should be asking sometimes. Yeah. So just sitting down, having a chat with them, and you're right, most people are more than happy to give you half an hour, an hour of their time to, to chat through the situation. So absolutely. Katie. Um, mine would be to, as Scott pointed out, not get too um, emotionally invested, uh, especially if you're looking at getting an investment or something that you're not planning to live in, um, but also that there's just so much availability on the market. So you don't have to get too attached. Like you said before, like things might not work out for different reasons. You just move on to the next one. There's there's always going to be something that will work for you and the one that you get in the end is the right one for you. Absolutely. And the, the one thing I heard you say throughout, which was great advice as well, is know your numbers. Really know where your money's going, what you're spending, and then you can work your budget out based yeah. back on that. Yeah, definitely. That was really helpful for us. Guys, thanks very much for coming in. Some really good tips there. It's been another episode of How Gem Why Buy. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.